Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and I'm here with Pastor Andrew to talk about this next episode. Pastor Andrew, what are we going to be talking about in this episode? In this episode, we're looking at some misconceptions, at least in my view, about the rapture. Uh, We've got a short video if the folks want to take the moment to look that, but they don't really need to. There's some pretty common things. Let's just give a teaser that have to do with maybe clothes being left behind or not. Why are children taken in every rapture movie we've ever seen? And some of those things we'll be discussing on this episode. All right, let's get into it. Thanks, Landon. So I've got a video to show us tonight, and I think if I don't show it right now, then I won't get to it uh, because I just get all over the place sometimes. And so um, this is, and some of you may have seen this movie, um, this is an early attempt from Hollywood to picture or to present what the rapture may feel or seem like. Uh, to people so it's about an eight to ten minute clip so we're just going to play that and then we're going to start with what does the rapture really look like that's going to be where we're going to start with our study so watch this ma'am i think he's gone off naked (sighs) i'll be right back Have you seen the kids? Mm. Mm, super. Where are they? Where, where are my kids? I can't find my kids. Airplane. People are probably in the lab. I'm telling you, they're not here. They're not anywhere. Okay? Their shoes, their clothes, their classes. It's crazy. They're left behind. The people are gone. I'll be right back. I am not nuts, Ray. Go look for yourself. Please just take your seat. Patty, help me, please. Sit down. We'll find them. You're not me next. I'm not going next. Patty, try and get a good count.
nobody's gonna die. Just take it easy. Just take it easy, okay? You're gonna be all right. What's going on, Captain? I don't know. Just take it easy. Hi, Mom. It's me. I just want to apologize for missing the party this afternoon. Oh, no. Are you okay? Con Heavy, 907, Mayday. Ray, what is going on? Concord 2701, I assume you're missing passengers too? That's affirmative, Concord. What's going on? I don't know, but it's everywhere. Say again? Guardia, Morley, lost air traffic controllers, missing flight crews, planes down all over. We're turning back.
going nuts, but if you're there, I need your help. I need you to find Dirk Burton. I've got to talk to him. I think he may be on to something. Good luck. Take care. Captain! Captain, I've got to get to New York. It's an emergency. Friend, everybody's got an emergency right now. But you don't understand. Look, if I get to New York, I can find some answers. No, you don't understand how lucky we are to get to O'Hare. All the other airports are shut down. Come on, there's got to be a way. Listen, I wouldn't ask if it wasn't really important. All I care about right now is getting home to my family. If you'll excuse me, please. Fuck it. Now, come on, think. You've got to know somebody who can help me out. All right, I guess I do owe you for saving my neck on the plane. Yeah, there is somebody I know who's got a charter service. Come on. Irene? Honey? Rainy? Irene! Hi, Mom. It's me. I just wanted to apologize for missing the party this afternoon. Chloe? Ramey? Son?
right. Let's talk about it. I just want to, I want to start with a little bit of discussion, if we can, how um, close you think that was? What do you think was different? See the dead walk during the rapture? Okay. Everybody will know? Yeah, they tried to present the chaos, but uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if it did it justice. So the movie starts with this, um, I'm looking up something here, this Gog and Magog type of battle over Israel. First of all, what do you think is the hardest part for those that are left behind? I mean, we, we saw the, the kids disappearing, and which, by the way, why, why is it assumed that the kids all disappeared? I think, and this is just me, I think that the absence of the presence of the Holy Spirit could be the hardest part. However, that's for me, but I'm a believer. So those that are left behind don't know what they're missing. Make sense? Because I'm watching the guy get mad and throw the Bible, and I'm realizing that, you know, the absence of the Holy Spirit, which is our comforter and our peace beyond understanding and all of that, is missing now, but that guy never knew what that was if he's still here, if he's still here upon the earth. So let's talk for a minute because the thing that, um, that I noticed in Luke chapter 17, we see this story in verse 20 of the coming of the kingdom. And Jesus puts this narrative out. It's also in Matthew chapter 24. I'll just read parts of it as he's kind of laying this out. And he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you, will, when you will long to see the, uh, see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there the son, there's the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. Here it is, verse 24. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so will it be on the day when the Son of Man comes. <clears throat> but first the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected. So that text sometimes is pointed to as the rapture. I get it, but I don't think that's the rapture because the Son of Man, Jesus didn't come in the rapture, but he goes on to describe what the rapture is. When the Son of Man returns, it will be as the days of Noah. In those days, people enjoyed their banquets and parties and weddings. Right up to the time of Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. You see what a narrative just shifted. So Jesus is talking about son of man returning, second coming, will be like the days of Noah. And we've talked about it often how today is becoming more and more like the days of Noah, which according to scripture is that all, all that mankind did or thought was evil, 
So we got that. But then he says, what about the days of Lot? We just shifted from the days of Noah to the days of Lot, which are two different time periods and two different people. With me? All right, here we go. What happened in the days of Lot? People went about their daily business, it says in verse 29, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Now, we're not talking about the Son of Man returning. We're talking about the righteous being removed. You see? In one passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples and talks about the return of the Son of Man, second coming, and then comes way over here and talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, which is evil, which people are eating and drinking, which people are just going about their normal days. But when the righteous are removed from the city, then judgment comes upon the city. You with me so far? So now that we've established that he's talking about the rapture, the righteous being removed, then what happens? Yes, verse 30, it will be business as usual right up until the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now we're back to not the Son of Man returning, but the Son of Man being revealed. You feel like a ping pong ball yet? The Son of Man will be revealed when? The rapture of the church takes place. Because people will go, oh, there is a God. With me? So he, he isn't returning in the second, this isn't the second coming where he comes to rule and reign upon the earth. Yet people take notice. And then on verse 31, it says, on that day, a person out on the deck of the Ruth must not go down to his house. It goes through that. But the important part I want you to see in verse 34. That night, two people will be asleep on the bed. One will be taken. The other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken. The other left. You see, I think he gave nighttime, daytime, because he didn't want to leave anybody saying, well, the rapture will occur at the day or the rapture will occur at the night. So Jesus took that off of the table and says it could happen here and it could happen here. Guys, what has the scriptures been telling us that we're never going to know and we shouldn't try? We just are to be expectant. In the bed, one is gone, one is left. Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so the signs will indicate that the end is near. So in this passage in Luke, we just went through second coming. We went through rapture. We went through the rapture of the church, a lot being taken out of the city. And then in Matthew chapter 24, it uses same stuff, different illustrations. Because it says in uh, Matthew chapter 24, the illustrations in 20, let's see, 26. Lightning flashes, verse 27, from the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Gathering of vultures shows there's carcass nearby, so the signs will indicate the end of the age. And then he talks about the personal, the people that are taken. Two men will be working, verse 40. 
together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the flour in the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Now, what does the rapture actually look like? It looks like something that could happen in the middle of busyness, in, the, in any time. There is no context to time. But the rapture actually looks like people just literally disappearing off of the face of the earth. Now, will there be a trumpet at the rapture? Well, I've showed you videos on YouTube about said trumpets <laughs> that have been found all over the world. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, they talk about trumpets. It talks about people have attached that to the rapture. However, I've kind of come to a different conclusion because it talks about the last trumpet. Well, the last trumpet doesn't happen until later during the judgments and upon the last trumpet, right? Is that to say that there is no trumpet at the rapture? Well, there could be something that sounds like a trumpet, not saying that. But if we're not supposed to know the day or the hour or the time, then doesn't the trumpet give it away? Right? So it's, it's kind of, I don't, I'm not saying Scripture's a contradiction at all, but I'm saying to have a trumpet to precede the rapture, I don't think lines up. I think the last trumpet spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians, speaks more of the judgments that we find. Now, here's something that's just fun to talk about. We've always seen, let's go back to the babies for a second. Romans chapter 1. Did you know that there's no scripture that we use a word in church life and Christianese? called the age of accountability. Anybody ever heard that? There's no scripture that talks about an age of accountability at all. There, there is nothing. There's only one thing that indicates an age where you have to do something ceremonially speaking according to scripture, and that's on the eighth day of the little boys, they have to be circumcised. Beyond that, there's no age. Now, oral tradition, Jewish teachers... The law and different things that expanded over the years begin to say, okay, you go to Hebrew school from age five to eight years old, and if you're super smart, you move on and learn more and so on and so forth. However, the age of accountability is something that I believe is implied, yet it's not clearly spoken. Why? How many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys know they understand different things at different times? So if the scripture's put in here at age five, now you're accountable for what you do on a spiritual context. I know a lot of five-year-olds that are still eating glue and carrying on. I know a lot of 12-year-olds that are still, you hear me? Now, we, we know in Romans chapter eight, we read about this knowledge idea, being quote-unquote responsible for what you know. Verse 18 said, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. 
For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So who has an excuse? I can tell you that little baby dove has an excuse. She is not looking into the sky and pondering the creator of said sky. You with me? That five-year-old or 12-year-old just put a, put a number in there that's still eating glue is probably not pondering the creator. You with me? And within this, you could also bring in what we would call folks that have mental incapacities, special needs. They could be 40 or 50 years old and yet have a mind of a fill-in-the-blank child. Now, we know God is all good, right, and all powerful, and his mercy endures forever. Back to the scriptures. Verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think of foolish ideas and so on. It goes through uh, idolatry. But it brings us to this idea, the reason why it's always been assumed in these rapture narratives and movies that the babies go is because that age of accountability that we talk about. At Greater Life Church, we baptize children in water, but they have to be, go through an interview with our kids' pastor before they are able to take that step. Do you know what you're doing? Yes, I'm taking a bath. Well, you're not ready. I want to get in the jacuzzi on the stage. You're not ready. You know, we want to make sure they understand the step of baptism. And that's important. So I just wanted to address that real quickly. Now let's talk, let's talk about the other one that I think is a misconception. That when the rapture occurs, goodwills all over the world are going to be flooded with free clothes. I mean, just imagine. That is a lot of clothes. Millions, millions, one billion according to the latest math, one billion Christians in the world, one billion shirts, pants, two billion shoes, unless, you know, they have just one. The whole nine. You can do the whole thing. Figure it out. But will the clothes be left behind when they're raptured? Because Acts chapter 8, verse 39, uses the same word that is rapture talking about Philip. Can you imagine how awkward it would have been for Philip? Because in Acts 8.39, we read that he's ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and after he baptizes him, the Bible says, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, raptured. And then Philip is seen later doing ministry in other places, but if Philip's clothes were left behind, can you imagine... Anybody ever seen the Terminator? The very beginning scene? I'm praying for you. 
So are the clothes left behind at the rapture? Let's use another illustration. You listen, the reason why we baptize in water all the way in is because that's the way Jesus did it. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. I think the way that Jesus is quote unquote raptured is probably good enough for his followers. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 28. By this time they were, this is after he'd resurrected. He, had, he was visiting with a couple of his followers that weren't aware that he was Jesus. And by this time they were nearing Emmaus and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them and they sat down to eat. He took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And where did he go? They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus was there. Verse 36, and just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was standing there among them. The, doors was, the door was locked. They were inside a room. Peace be with you, he said, but the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. So, the clothes. Do we think the clothes are left behind or do we think the clothes are raptured with the believer. Silly idea, but this is what I like talking about. Let's take a vote. If you think the clothes go with the believer, raise your hand. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're wrong, we still love you. God bless you. I think that's probably the biggest job of the new one world government is to get rid of all the clothes that have been left behind. Now, let's talk about some end times beliefs of other religions. We briefly talked about other um, humanism, environmentalism, and stuff like that last time. Uh, let's talk about Buddhism. Buddhism believes that the world ends because the seven suns that surround the earth will burn it to a crisp. The trees and other plant life will burn away, covering the earth in a layer of ashes. Oceans dry up. Life, of course, dies off long before the earth itself dies off. I don't know where the seven suns come with come from. Apparently, they're, they pop up at some point. Oh, yeah, it's coming. The Buddha has said, the whirlwind... At the age of, let's take a guess. No, not the age of Aquarius. <laughs> let's take a guess. How many of you guys, uh, let's, let's throw some numbers out. Tell me, how, what do you think the Buddha says when the world we're in? Throw a number out for me. Huh? 3,000? Man, you got to go way up from that. 
Yeah, the, the earth will end when it's this old. Correct? So how old do we have to get? Billion, one billion? Six billion years. Six billion. This is what the, the Buddha said. The world will end at the age of six billion years. The end of the world and the end of life on this world will not be at the same time. Some have looked at this mathematically. If the world lasts six billion years and there are to be five Buddhas, that gives 1.2 billion years per Buddha. Interestingly enough, the fourth Buddha died 2,500 years ago. So guys, there's one to two billion years left. The human species, according to their teachings, has been around for four million years. Assuming all the Buddhas were human, that gives about one million years per Buddha. Anyway, you know the idea of the Buddha, right? Do you understand the, the concept of that's the reincarnation uh, constantly in a different body, in a different life, and so on and so forth. So that's, therefore, they believe that the Buddha could live a million years because it's another life, another life, another life, another life, and on and on and on. And the transcendent part of it, when you finally, what they believe is the reward is you finally stop living you finally stop rotating into these different lives. Let's talk about Islam. We've talked about it before that, and Paul says that even if an angel from heaven gives you any other gospel, let them be cursed. So there, I want to remind you that Islam is a religion that attaches, it, attaches its teaching and different um, beliefs to an angel that was brought forth to the prophet Muhammad. Also, Mormonism, same concept. Islam believes the end of the world. Now, this, this is just staggering to me. Islam believes that the end of the world is referred to the hour that involves Jesus returning to Damascus to slay an antichrist who has put the planet in peril. With the Antichrist out of the picture, a period of perfect harmony will ensue. Jesus will later die a natural death, according to their teachings, which will usher in a time of destruction that leads directly to the quote-unquote hour of destruction. Judaism, uh, of course, believes in the Messiah's return. Hinduism believes that there is a God named Vishnu that will come back in their last cycle of time called Kulki. Now, Vishnu apparently will ride on a white horse and carry a sword that looks like a comet and destroy all of the forces of evil. There is some ideas of Armageddon in almost all of these uh, beliefs and some ideas of apocalypse. However, some of them don't look at the apocalypse or Armageddon as an all-ending type of thing, more of a, an inconvenient battle where there's a reset that happens. Now, one of the things that I walk away from that is it sounds to me like let's take this piece and this piece from Scripture and put it in ours to give it a little bit of 
um, credibility. And if you know enough and you've studied enough and you've looked at religions enough, you know that there are elements of Scripture of Christianity in almost every world religion. And the closer it gets to said uh, to the true teachings of Christianity, the more people are fooled to believe that it's truth. The further away it gets from it, then people are, I'll put it this way, more devoted to the rebellion of following it. For example, in Revelation, one of the uh, letters, we read of a synagogue of Satan, the synagogue of Satan that uh, people have devoted themselves to. This speaks of individuals that are not really Jews but pretend to be Jews and then in kind pretend to be converts to uh, followers of Jesus. Now, in doing the research, I stopped because I was like, okay, here's what I found out. And I don't have pictures and I don't have a lot of information, but I'll just tell you how crazy it is. There are books written about the synagogue of Satan that go all the way, all the way back to the early 1900s. They talk about the quote-unquote Jewish problem. Now, Hitler, Nazism, anti-Semitic beliefs in a lot of cases have attached their wagon to this idea of synagogue of Satan, saying that the synagogue of Satan are all the Jews that are trying to control the world. See what I'm saying? Now, I remember that the scripture says that whoever blesses Israel will be blessed. Whoever curses Israel will be cursed. Now, the synagogue of Satan attached to this type of teaching is, I mean, it's sad to say the least, but it's also very inaccurate. Now, here's the other part. Synagogue of Satan, there is a man who has established a literal religion called the synagogue of Satan. We've talked about Luciferianism. We've talked about Kabbalah, uh, Kabbalah teaching and, and Wicca and witches and all these kinds of things, mysticism. We talked about all that, but this one takes the cake. Because the website is not even spelled with synagogue with a Y because you're supposed to spell it with a Y, but it's spelled with an I. And then as you read through that, I don't recommend, as you read through that, he says right out of the gate in his letter, in his posting about the beliefs, that I wanted to make sure I spelled it this way so people knew that this was something that they were, they were embracing the idea of sin wholly into their life. Also, his tagline is a religion even the devil could love. Brian, it's not appropriate to laugh at that. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> now, when I saw it, I was like, really? However, I did see a video. I believe it's Australia. That there is a man there who is one of the top leaders of the satanic church. And he has released a YouTube. Has anybody else seen it? You saw it? He has released a YouTube of him talking and he is weeping because 
one, when, when he was out one day in conflict with other Christians, one of the Christians made a choice not to come against, but to embrace. And he is sitting in his living room recording something as he is getting ready to go into another meeting and recording something and say, I've never experienced love from a Christian before. I've only experienced animosity and anger. And he said, but now I'm telling you because after that encounter, I told Jesus, if you're real, I have to see it. And he said, Jesus appeared to him. He said, if that's you, prove it to me. And he said, I felt something that is unlike anything I've ever felt. Now, this is one of the leaders of the satanic church in Australia. Why do you think that man had a breakthrough? Because somebody was operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. And many somebodies were praying. I'm, I may be making a leap here, but praying under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, it all converged in a powerful way and changed this man's life forever. Here he's sitting, tattooed and pierced all over his face, and yet the God of heaven stepped in and changed him from the inside out. Can God do it? Yes, he can even in the hardest, blackest heart. So these people, I'll, I'll just say it this way. These people messing around and doing these things and thinking they're playing games with God, here's what I, here's what I believe. I believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna get a hold of them one by one as long as the Lord tarries and begin to change their lives in such a way that they will turn to Him and many, many, many others will follow that way of truth and find Jesus as a result of those testimonies. Amen? Now, let me give you, uh, what are we in, October? Moises? Thank you. Only Moises knows that. That's why I ask him. I don't believe any of you. <laughs> so here's what we're doing for the rest of the month. Next month, Reverend Moya Zayez will be bringing the prophecy hour next week. Next week on the 12th. Then on the 19th is my last one. I'm retiring the prophecy hour. And then we have missions convention and then in November we're going to do something different. Because guess what? Jesus is coming soon and the world's a wreck. And I'm running out of wreck stuff to talk about. But really, it's everything we've talked about is just happening again. They're slowing down oral production and the government is still all messed up. And the food we eat is all jacked up with preservatives and whatnot. But hey, God is still on the throne. We're not eating bugs yet. Praise the Lord. You don't think. Saw a video the other day where these flies were flying into the, one of these things making cakes for little Debbie. Anyway, I'm not going to get in there. I'm not showing you all these things. I'm not showing you all these things. I feel like, you know, ignorance is bliss on some of this. We just got to, we have pizza tonight. 
<laughs> so I will say this though. If there's any burning questions, because I have one more session, I do, I do feel like I know where I want to go with it. But if there's any burning questions and you want to uh, send me something about that, certainly do that. And uh, we'll explore that on that last session together. Ready? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity we've had to hang out here tonight. I pray, God, that your blessing would uh, go with us. God, may we walk in your favor. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just help us. Help us to have boldness. Help us to have faith. Help us, God, to have joy, <laughs> knowing that you are in control. We are excited about the future. As long as you have us here upon the earth, God, make us excited about what you're going to use us for in miraculous fashion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church.